Hey, this is Brandon Jones, author of the College Readiness 101 workbook series here with the College Readiness 101 podcast. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about three steps to creating a college preparatory plan. Uh, before COVID, uh, when we had our face-to-face events and, and now during COVID right now, during our uh, virtual events, I would get a lot of questions from parents on how do we just start this process, right? They would ask me, what grade should I begin, you know, doing these activities with my child? Um, what events should we attend? What what should we be doing, right? How I, I want to start. Uh, how do we start this process? And so uh, I think that uh, how I teach it is that the college preparatory process should ideally start in the eighth grade. I think this is when you should really start intentionally participating in exposure activities uh, for post-secondary education. And so what does that look like, right? What, Brandon, what does that look like? So that's college football games, attending a college football game or or taking your, your child to a college homecoming, your homecoming, um, going to the Battle of the Bands if you're interested in, you know, HBCU. Um, one, a big one that you could do is on a road trip, on a vacation, uh, stop by a college on the way. Just stop by the campus and, and kind of get a feel of what a campus looks like, what it feels like. Um, that is a great way for uh, a middle school student, eighth grade or a high school student to to see kind of what it looks like to be on a college campus, see the movement, see students walking by. If you get a chance to stop one, you know, ask them a couple of questions. You don't have to wait for a, an official college visit to go to a college campus. So that is a really, really easy one. That's a low hanging fruit activity that you can do to prepare your child for uh, for college. Right. And then you just really want to have these intentional conversations. You want to have them routinely, you know, weekly, monthly, yearly. You want to have some type of conversation about life after high school. Right. And so what happens is you have to make it a mindset. Right. It begins with the mindset of the household. Right. So my mom told me when I was young, she said, Brandon, your your college years are going to be the best years of your life. Right. And and she was not lying. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my experience at the unsinkable Albany State University. Um, I have lifelong friends there. I got a chance to play uh, on the four time uh, SIAC championship football team there. This this is just a really, really good time in my life. And it, it started by just having these conversations when I was really young, that there was an expectation that after high school, there was going to be more education. Right. And so that is something that I think that you definitely want to do uh, in your household is starting that conversation as early as possible and understanding how doing a little bit over a long period of time can actually be the equation for success. Right. Because a lot of times I'll get questions um, and, and inquiries from parents who have a second semester senior. And they're just now trying to figure all of it out. Right. And I think if there was some intentional conversations, some intentional activities uh, as young as, you know, eighth grade and, and even younger with those activities that I think that there could have been uh, a, a less stressful outcome uh, for a lot of families. And so when I'm talking to students, I'm not just pushing, you know, the, the four year university 
or an HBCU experience because I, I had a great HBCU experience. I'm talking about any type of post-secondary education. So uh, community and technical colleges, the two-year colleges, uh, career colleges, a certification or diploma program, apprenticeships, just you have to have uh, education beyond high school to be successful. Uh, and I want to make sure that this is something that you are making an expectation in your household, right? So uh, if you are a parent listening today, uh, I want to make sure that you understand that your job is to provide access. You want to make sure that you expose your child to opportunities, expose them to uh, events and activities that that they can actually learn from and then support them when they start to make decisions uh, about their uh, their life after high school. Right. And so one of the big things that I have a conversation about when we do our parent uh, candid conversations is the round table and then the, the student conversations. They always talk about some students talk about, you know, my parent wants me to go here and this is where they're going to pay for me to go to school. And and they don't want me to go outside of my state and they don't want me to do this and they don't want me to do that. And I want parents to understand that it is their child's decision on what post-secondary education experience they're going to have. Now, it's a household endeavor, but we want to make sure that we can make an informed decision on where this child is going to go to college, um, make sure it fits financially, make sure it fits academically, culturally, uh, make sure it fits geographically. We want to make sure that this is the best fit college, right? And so, what we understand now is that kids are busy, right? And so when I do supplemental programming, uh, extracurricular activities with students, I know that I'm competing with rigors of academia. I know I'm competing against uh, very strenuous extracurricular activities that are sponsored by the school, like a club or a team. Uh, I know that there are household responsibilities that a child has non extracurricular activities, church, civic organizations, things like that. And so uh, that's why I said earlier that doing a little bit over a long period of time is a better way of providing access and exposure to post-secondary education is because they, they are so busy. They have other things, they have other priorities uh, and, and immediate priorities, especially if let's say they were in eighth and ninth grade, there are more immediate priorities that they have. So I want to make sure that we can plant these seeds along the way. So by the time that they're a senior, uh, that, you know, we have put them in a really, really good position uh, to be successful. So let's talk about the three things that you can do uh, to start a college preparatory journey. All right. Number one, students need to understand their academic profile, right? You need to know what your academic profile says about you. So you need to get a copy of your transcript. You need to get copies of your test scores. You need to create a brag sheet uh, and you can find you know, a brag sheet template uh, online or you can find it uh, in one of uh, my college readiness one on one workbooks. But you got to get a brag sheet so that you can understand uh, what you look like on paper. Right. So it's not just about, you know, your GPA. 
right? We want to know as a recruiter, you know, that's how I started my career. I based my decisions on admitting a student just really on paper. Now, I met a lot of students at a college fair or a high school visitation day or a recruitment event. And if they made a really good impression on me and then I saw their name later, I would remember them. But for most students, they're applying and it's just on paper. Right. And so a lot of colleges aren't just looking at your GPA. Um, They want to know what your class rank is. They want to know what your course rigor is. Are you taking some dual enrollment classes or AP courses or IB courses or what does your transcript say? Right. And then some colleges are looking at you uh, also about your extracurricular activities. Are you playing a leadership role in those extracurricular activities? Are you um, in any community service activities? Do you have you done any internships? Are you what are you doing? Do you have a part time job? They, they want to know kind of what you're doing outside of academic requirements. Um, and so that's also something to look at as well. And that's where that brag sheet uh, is going to come in handy. Right. And so that holistic approach that I was talking to you about, um, they're looking at the, your letters of recommendation and your extracurricular activities. And so make sure that you have some strong uh, extracurricular activities and, and, and some students will have just a few and they, and they do very well and they excel in those, um, leadership roles and these, you know, two activities and, and that's what they're focused on. Others will have, you know, a lot of activities where they're just a part of almost like a filler for a resume. And so, um, you will get a, a different answer based on who you speak with, uh, on, the pros and cons of, of both of those sides. Um, I just want you to know that it is something that you need to do is have extracurricular activities on your brag sheet, right? Have an, have an experience worth sharing on an essay, be able to articulate how you overcame some type of adversity or something that can pull on the heartstrings of a recruiter who is looking at your application looking at uh, an essay, reading an essay that you have provided for your admissions or a scholarship funder. You know, we want to be able to pull on our heartstrings. So I'm, I'm on several scholarship committees and uh, the ones that actually get the money are those who can pull on the heartstrings, right? You have to figure out a way um, to um, articulate yourself in a way that will make an impact on the reader, right? Number two, number two. You need to start researching what your top college choices require for admissions. I tell students to narrow down their top college choices to about three to five options, right? Uh, Just do the work and narrow it down. Now, those who have, you know, 10, 12, 15 potential colleges, that's a lot. And if you're applying to all of them, it could become very expensive. Some high school students will be eligible for application fee waivers and test waivers, you know, based on your school. Um, you also could use the common app or the common black college app. Uh, those are great resources, but just in general, uh, you want to get down to three or five. That's your, your dream school, uh, a school that you really want to go to, uh, two that, you know, you can get into, uh, and then one is just your backup just in case things, uh, don't pan out the way, the way that you want them to. So at least three to five. 
uh, is a way is, is, is how you want to do it. All right. So after you narrow down your top college choices, you're going to uh, compare your academic profile to what each college requires. I'm talking about an apples to apples comparison. Right. How do you stack up to college A, college B and college C? Right. What, this is what you need to know, because the next conversation is not about can you get in? It's about can you get institutional funding? Right. How much money is this college willing to give you based on your academic profile? Right. And I'm not talking about your, your scholarships dot com and your fast webs. I'm not talking about your cokes and your your millennial scholarships. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about scholarships at the college. Right. Are you eligible based on your academic profile for for funding at that college, right? So that's the next conversation when you start comparing what your profile looks like based on what the college requires, right? So when you're doing this research in what, you know, they require and and, and how you fit in, it's not just reviewing a website, right? So uh, research comes in the forms of, of college fairs, going on college visits or, uh, preview days, recruitment events, because the goal is to find the best college fit for you, right? So the, can you get in is one part of the conversation. The next question is, do you want to go, right? So this is kind of what we want to make sure that you do in your preparatory process is to understand that there are levels to how you're going to make decisions in this process. And so you definitely want to make sure you do as much research as possible. And it's not just sitting in front of a computer, you know, looking at, at their websites, you know, make those phone calls, send those emails, make those visits. You know, that's what you need to do. Right. So this brings me to like my college recruitment process. Right. So when I was in high school, um, there wasn't a college readiness one on one. There wasn't a, a next step education foundation in, in my area. So. Uh, we actually, my mom and I actually did a lot of research and we went to college recruitment events that came to my area. Uh, and, and that's how we did our process. And so, um, I went to a recruitment event for Albany state university here in Atlanta. Um, when we went, uh, I absolutely loved what they had to say. I actually got a chance to meet my Dean. My Dean happened to be one of the um, individuals who was there to help recruit for the college. So, um, my initial major was criminal justice and forensic science. At the time, Albany state was the only college that had forensic science as a major in the state of Georgia. And so that was really what I wanted to do. And so I met that Dean and, and got a lot of information about it. Um, through that event, I was invited to a summer bridge program where um, I was able to take two college courses, an English and a math. I received a stipend uh, at the end of that program. Um, and it was amazing because it's funny because I actually had to come back. I went to Albany State University to start the program. I actually had to come back in about a week or two uh, to graduate. Uh, and then after my graduation, I immediately went back to Albany State. So, so I went down, um, I took the classes, uh, I built my network, you know, and, and what happens is you, you'll see when when freshmen are registering for classes, that English 1101 and that math 1101, that those classes fill up pretty fast. And, and, and the cohort that I was in in that summer bridge program, we already knocked that out. 
we already had, you know, a little crew. Uh, when we uh, got there, when everybody else got there in the fall, we already had a network. So it was really good. I absolutely believe in Summer Bridge programs as a really, really good resource for students. And so this allowed me to be kind of further ahead uh, than my classmates and allowed me to, um, in some of my later semesters, um, take, you know, one less class um, when I wanted to do other things. All right. And number three, what you need to do is build a plan to make incremental steps towards your goal. Now, what does that look like? Well, obviously, you can't eat an elephant whole, right? You have to eat it one bite at a time. And you can't go from a C to an A with only two assignments left, right? So we need to get organized, create a plan, and do the work to diligently affect change over time. So what is it that you need to do? If you have a 2.8, what do you need to do to get to a 3.0, right? Have that conversation with your counselor. Have that conversation with your instructor. Um, how do you get from a 3.3 to a 3.5? You know, that possibly means more scholarship funding at that institution, right? Uh, what do you need to do to get from a 21 to a 25 on your ACT? So, you know, you can either increase your deficiencies, right? Or you can feed your strengths in those tests. Uh, or you can try to tackle both. Right. I believe that's that's hard, but you can you can try to tackle both. So if your your math is suffering um, on the ACT test, but your your English and your your reading is 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 well, is is, is pretty good. What are you going to do? Right. Are you going to work hard to get that math score up? Or are you going to work hard to increase your your English scores and your reading scores so that you can kind of bring that math up? as an average score, right? So that's something that you got to, you know, contend with as well. But also when you're doing this, you're going to make, you need to make sure that you are periodically reviewing, evaluating and reevaluating where you are in your plan. And that's how you're going to be successful. It doesn't make sense just to have a plan and try to ride it out because there are things that are going to change. There are things that are going to uh, manipulate where where you need to be, you know, uh, throw you off course, and you need to be able to um, be agile enough to um, review where you are and reevaluate some changes that you need to put in place. So those are the three things that you can do to start a college preparatory journey. Uh, since this was the topic, since the topic was about the journey, parents, uh, you can purchase your parents' guide to starting a college preparatory journey by visiting my website at collegereadiness101.com. If you like what you're hearing and would like to learn more, subscribe to this podcast and my College Readiness 101 YouTube channel. Also, follow me on social media at College Readiness 101 on Instagram and Facebook. I'll talk to you next time.